This is part two. Um, we're going to go back over some information that we've covered before. Um, so don't think that I'm teaching the exact same thing, but I'm teaching the exact same thing. Um, I, really, I really felt inclined to cover this again because God has shown me some new things, um, allowed me to see some new things that I didn't see before. And so I want to share those things with you. The Tuesday night Bible study had the benefit of, of just me seeing things as I was teaching it. And I felt that it was important that you all have the benefit of that as well. A kingdom mindset is a mind focused upon in working towards the building and implementation of the kingdom of God in the earth. That should be the slide that you see now. It is a mindset that uh, is a mind that is focused upon and working towards the building and the implementation of the kingdom of God in the earth. That's what the kingdom mindset is. In a nutshell, its total focus is on the kingdom of God being implemented and being built in the earth to bring God glory. Now, this is achieved by doing everything with the king in mind. Very important, very important. Last time I said with the kingdom, but I was led to take the dumb off, the D-O-M, with the king in mind. That from now on, if we hadn't already been doing it, everything we do, we think about the king first. Everything. Before we speak, before we act, before we make a business decision, before we take another job, before we do anything, we do everything with the king in mind. That means we think about God first. Hallelujah. We don't think about ourselves. We don't think about how we'll benefit, how we'll grow or anything. All we're thinking about is, God, what do you want? Even when it comes to the things of God, a lot of times we think about ourselves. But th this is something I want to just really plant in your spirit tonight. If you think about God, God will think about you. Trust God enough. Trust God enough to just put your whole heart and your whole mind on him and trust him enough to love you enough to reciprocate. You don't have to worry about you. He got you. Now, in a kingdom, in, in an actual literal kingdom, it is the duty of the king to take care of the people who live in his realm. All the citizens of his country, he's supposed to provide for them. So if the people are poor, and disenfranchised, it reflects on the king. But if the people are doing well, then it reflects, come on, on the king. So our king is the type of king that does exceeding and abundantly above all we ask or think. So do you think that God's going to let you go down? That will reflect badly on him. So you don't have to worry about yourself. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to do this because this will benefit me, this will bless me. No, God, what is your will? Because all I want to do is what you want me to do. And I trust you, I trust you, I trust you enough that if I do what you want me to do, I will be blessed in the end. Say amen. amen. Now, does anybody remember WWJD? Smile. You can smile. Amen. Anybody remember WWJD? What does that stand for? What would Jesus do? They made millions of dollars off that WWJD. I mean millions of dollars, bracelets, necklaces, keychains, car tags, everything, t-shirt, had WWJD. Even people who didn't believe in the Lord were saying, WWJD, what would Jesus do? They even use it as a punchline on TV. What would Jesus do? I want to introduce a new thought to you tonight. Are you ready for it? Come on over this way, sir. How does Jesus want me to do it? How does Jesus want me to do it? Now, if I'm concerned about glorifying God and bringing the kingdom, I can't be concerned with how Jesus wants Patrick to do it. That's none of my business. When Jesus shared with Peter how he would suffer for his sake, he looked over at John and said, well, what about this guy? Jesus said, that's really none of your business. If I have him to just sit here with me, that's between me and him. 
You be concerned with what I want for you. So our concern is H-D-J-W-M-T-D-I. I know that's a lot. But everybody read it with me. How does Jesus want me to do it? So that's going to take us putting the brakes on a little bit, right, Charlotte? That's going to take us slowing down a little bit. That's going to take us being a whole lot less selfish, self-absorbed, self-concerned. And we're going to have to say, okay, God, you know what? Not my will, but come on, thy will be done. So here's the thing. I don't want to guess at your will. So I want you to tell me what you want me to do. So somebody makes a snide remark before you speak. Jesus, what do you want me to do? (laughs) How do you want me to do it? Do you want me to be quiet? Or do you want me to show love to him? What do you want me to do today? Do you want me to walk away? Do you want me to embrace them? What do you want me to do? How does Jesus want me to do it? I like that better. Now, let's look. We will call this the Jesus first attitude. That's what we're going to call it. So just look at somebody, smile at them, and say, I have a Jesus first attitude. I have a Jesus first attitude. Not me first. But my concern is with Jesus because I have a kingdom mindset now, and everything I do, I do it how? With the king in mind. Now, so that's going to impact how we live as a family. How did Jesus want me to operate within my family? Both interpersonal, you know, those in the house, and then those who are down the line. My cousins and them. Even the ones that I don't particularly care for. Y'all can talk back to me. It's okay. How about our marital relationship? How does God want me, how did Jesus want me to treat my husband or my wife? Even when they get on my nerves. Even when we had a spat last night about something stupid, but I got to win. He, not, he, he or she is not going to win tonight. I'm going to win this one. So even though they're not speaking, Jesus, do you want me to speak? Do you want me to be the one to make up first? Jesus, how do you want me to do it? I know, we're going to make it. How we raise our children. How do you want me, how do you want me to speak to them? How do you want me to respond when they mess up? I'm mad, I'm 98 hot, but Jesus, how do you want me to respond to this situation? Not how I feel now. How do you want me to respond to this? Because I have to remember that I can't be building kingdom down in real life and I don't build kingdom up in my house. So I can't be a saint, a love of God, hands lifted, praise you Jesus, and raising all kinds of sand back at the house. Because, I, I listen, I'm going to tell you, our light should shine brightest in the house. Amen. Next, Jesus, how do you want me to handle my affairs? Both business and personal. Do you want me to get this car right now? Or do you want me to keep the one I have? And if I get it, should I put 20s on it? Not because that's always what I wanted. (laughs) Anybody ever thought of asking God, do you want me to have that? One day I went to God and I said, God, can I have that? Can I have that, God? Is it okay with you if I go get that? Uh Uh-oh. God don't care about that. Why not? Why not? Why doesn't God care about that? Why don't we honor God in everything we do? 
Why are, there, why are there some stuff that we feel like we can make the decisions on? Acknowledge him and, oh, y'all better help me tonight. That's what we talked about, right? Acknowledging him in all our ways and he will what? Direct our path. So sometimes we need our path directed and stuff we think we know about. Amen. Well, not sometimes. Because maybe not, maybe he wants you to have it, but not right this minute. Maybe now is not the time for it. Maybe it'll put you in a financial bind. Maybe there's something coming down the road that you can't see. And God knows you're going to need those resources right now. And then lastly, how we interact with society and each other. Lord, how do I deal with this person who, don't believe, who doesn't believe as I believe? The way they live their life is totally contrary to the way you teach us to live. How should I interact with them? Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do if I run up on a Satan worshiper? How do you want me to engage them? I mean, do I go by my biases and my, and my own religious prejudices, or, or do I show the love of God? How do you want me to do it? So then I can't be, we can't be focused on us, can we? Not if we have a kingdom mindset, not unless we're building our own kingdom. My kingdom come. My will be done. That's the way a lot of believers live. My kingdom come. I know what God said, but my kingdom come. No, 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 thy kingdom come. And his kingdom comes when people who love him think about him first, live for him first, and have that mindset that everything I do, I want it to bring glory to God. I don't want to do anything that doesn't bring glory to God. I mean every moment of my life, when I'm at my house, when I'm on my job, when I'm in my neighborhood, Everything I say, everything I think, everything I do, I want it to bring glory to God. And guess what? Even when I don't do something, I want it to bring glory. Because that's some stuff we should choose not to be a part of. And we won't even, in our non-participation, God to get the glory. Now, we're developing that. Everybody say develop. That's we're developing it. It means to create or produce, especially by deliberate effort over time. Three words I want you to get. Deliberate effort and time. That's the phrase. Deliberate effort over time. So we are creating this. We are creating this type of mindset, producing it by deliberate effort. It means we're intentional. And so we, we, we mean to do it. With no hit and miss. We, when we did it, we did it on purpose. So we didn't fall into something. Amen. See, we have to be deliberate about what we do. We have to, we have to be focused. Let me ask y'all a quick, can I, talk to you, can I talk to you for real? Anybody in here have a job? Anybody, did you apply for the job? How did you, how did you apply for the job? Did, did you just wake up one morning and have the job? You didn't? How did, what did you do? Raise your hand. Somebody talk to me. What did you do? How did you get it? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. 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 You did all that? You fill the application? Did they interview you? Really? Did you answer the questions? Did you think about the answers you were going to give them before you answered? You didn't? They just came out? Oh, God bless you. <laughs> but you had some answers you thought about. You did. All right. All right. Now, let me ask y'all a question. That sound deliberate to you? How'd you get here today? You drove? Really? You got in your car? You did. Did you put the key in the ignition? Stop it. You turned it. You turned it. You put the car in reverse or drive? Reverse first, then drive. Did you check your mirrors? Lord, have mercy. Y'all better check y'all mirrors. He a truck driver. I know he checked his mirrors because we truck drivers, we check mirrors. We can't help it. So, so you, did, you did all that to do what? So you were deliberate. You were intentional. You didn't just click your heels. And end up here. No, you. everybody in here, you were intentional. You did what you did on purpose. Because you knew where you wanted to end up. So, how about you can glorify God? You can do things intentionally 
to bring him glory. Right, right, right. See what I'm saying? He wasn't thinking, okay, I got to get in the car. I got to turn the key. I got to, it was boom, boom, boom. I know where I want to get. I know how to get there. We got to be, we got to be purposeful. Sometimes we have to be nice to people because we know that might shift their whole day. Sometimes you have to show love to the person who's mean to you because maybe they never got love. I'm, I'm learning. God's teaching me how to be compassionate, which is something I had to really learn. God had to work on me with that. Whenever somebody acts out, I always wonder what the root cause is. I don't look at the action. I look, I'm thinking about what in the world made them so mean. There's some pain in there somewhere. I don't need to add to the pain with my behavior. If somebody's unhealthy emotionally and I'm healthy emotionally, wouldn't that thing be wrong for me to crush them? Right. Right. One word. One word. Amen. Boom. Yeah, like the old people say, flip at the mouth. Some of us grown and still flip. Just say stuff. Bam! I was the kind of cat, when I was in the world, I thought about what I was going to say to you. Then nothing just come out my mouth. I couldn't lie to you and say, I ain't mean it. You say something to hurt me, oh, you better buckle up, baby. I'm coming with the hardest thing I got. And I would hurt you on purpose. Kind of dude I was. I Thank God for deliverance. Thank God for deliverance. I thought about that thing. I let it marinate for a while. And you might not get it today, but when next time I see you, that was deliberate. So now, how about being deliberate with how we bless? I'm saying this because I want to build you up. I can see that you've been broken, and I want to build you. I want to, I want to speak some words of life into you. I'm hugging you because I want you to feel the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart. This is on purpose. I'm speaking to you even though you don't speak to me because you need to see light. So, Lord, show me, show me the best way to reach this person who seems unreachable. Show me the best way to handle the situation that's got me bewildered. Because I feel like I need to do something, but I know I don't need to move. I, I know in my spirit I don't need to move, but I feel like I need to do something. So God, show me. Should I stand still? Or should I move? And if I move, God, what to do? Somebody say, I want to bring glory to God. Here's some things to remember. Are you ready? Number one, you are changing systems. I need you to remember this. You are changing systems. You're going from the world system to the kingdom. Both are systems. When the scripture talks about the world, it's talking about a system. Be not of the world. Don't love the things of the world. It's talking about a system. It's a way of operating. The world has a way it does things. When I was in the world, that's how I did. I was mean to people because if you're mean to me, I'm going to be mean to you. That's the world's system. That's the way they operate, by hook or by crook. They do whatever they need to do to, to get over. The world operates on feelings. The world is sensual. The world goes on, if it feels right, do it. That's the way the world operates. But we know better than that, right? We know better than to let our feelings drive. But that's the way the world does it. They say, I feel like I was born this way, so I must be supposed to be this way. I mean, that's the world's, come on, system. But the kingdom is different. So you're changing systems. So, I mean, I got saved at 22. How many of y'all got been saved about 20 years or so, 20 years or so? So how many of y'all, you spent about 20, 25 years in another system, right? 
If you just got saved recently, you spent, you know, more than that maybe. So you spent a lot of years in that system, so you're changing systems. You have to be aware of that. You have to be aware that, that you change. Because Here's why. Because you need to be patient with yourself. Because God is. God is. This is going to make sense in a minute. Now, y'all hold on now. I'm not saying keep doing stupid stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying continue to be foolish. But I'm saying if you mess up, okay, get up. Brush yourself off. Move on. If you did something today that didn't glorify God, don't beat yourself down. Because once you repent, God forgave you. So you do it. Y'all ready? You're changing systems. Number two, you must be intentional about every moment of your life. Every single moment. You must be intentional. How do you achieve your goals? Some of y'all have college graduates. How'd you get there? Intentionality. You did stuff every day. They helped you move toward the accomplishment of your goal. So we must be intentional about every moment. Every moment. Say amen. amen. Number three, don't live further or farther. I didn't know which one to use, bless the Lord. But it's, it's one of them. Don't live further than the moment you were in. Anything more is overwhelming. See, when we teach lessons like this, sometimes I'm looking at people and they're just like, the deer in headlights look. How am I going to do this for the rest of my life? I'm not asking you to do it for the rest of your life. I'm asking you to do it right now. Amen. Break it down to moments. Jesus, show me what you want me to do right now. Then when I get to the next moment, show me what you want me to do right now. You never get to tomorrow. You know how you live for Jesus? Y'all want a revelation on how to live for Jesus? Live for Jesus every moment for the rest of your life. Because that's all life is, is a whole bunch of moments. That's all it is. All these seconds build into minutes. All the minutes build into hours. All the hours build into days. All the days build into months. All the months build into years. All the years build into decades. Come on, all the decades build into centuries. It just keeps going. It puts a bunch of moments. And when we start thinking, oh, I got to do that for the rest of my life, that's too much for us to swallow. So, God, I just want to bring you glory right now. This is all I got, right? I don't have anything. I'm not promised a second from now. So we're going to go ahead and roll with right now. Somebody say, I'm rolling with right now. Touch your neighbor and say, live in the moment. Right this minute. Just live now. And, and so live your life to glorify God right this minute. Don't worry about tomorrow. Not here yet. How can I glorify God right now sitting in my seat? Listening to this Bible study. Not when I go home. You're not there yet. You're taking on too big of a chunk. And do you know by focusing on later, you missing now? This is the time that we need to be applying our minds and our hearts to. That's what I love about Jesus. I sent someone a text the other day. I, I, I just really believe I was inspired. And I talked to him about how Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He came back down. And, 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 the, and, and he had just heard uh, Moses and Elijah talk about his exodus, which means his leaving. And he came down to the bottom of the hill, and the disciples couldn't get the, the, the spirit out of the boy. And Jesus said, how long do I have to be with you? See, the thing was, Jesus was thinking about, I'm about to get up out of here. And, and now y'all jokers still ain't got it. And y'all, Lord, but then Jesus, guess what he did? He shifted, and there's a little boy here. He couldn't stay on the mountain. He had to come to the valley and be in the what? Moment. I can't deal with y'all right now. We'll talk about this later. How long has he been this way? We got to learn how to get, come on, in the moment. Next, get over failures quickly. If your mind is in the past or the future, you can't focus on the present. A baseball player has to forget he struck out an inning ago. 
I'm going to tell you. Now, he, he can tell me. He's a baseball player. If you come up the, to the plate thinking about striking out, you're going to strike out again. So you have to, you, have, you ever heard basketball teams when they're in a seven-game series and they lost a game, even if they win, they say, oh, we have to put that game behind us. <laughs> we have to put that game behind us, man. We can't focus on what we, you know, no, no. We got to play this game coming. It's that moment thing. We, we got to stop. Sometimes we mess up. We spend the whole rest of the day beating ourselves up. If that's what it takes for you to make it, brother. Yeah. How does Jesus want you to do it? It's particular. It's, it's specific, isn't it? It's specific. How did you? Because some people need to celebrate a little while. Some of us, we feel so. We feel like we messed up for so long. So some of us got to take, some of us got to do like David and stop every six steps. Some of us have to do, some of us don't have to do that. But Jesus, how do you want me to do it? Can't, can't do it like you do it, bro. I might need something different, right? And that's the way God is. God will tailor, y'all don't want to hear this. Y'all want to hear this? God will tailor it specifically to you. It's not no blanket thing. It's, it's the God not doing this on some kind of assembly line. God's tailoring your life specific to you and your needs and where he's taking you. So everybody don't get the same thing. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? You, even when you raise children, you rely one child needs something the other one doesn't. Some child needs you to say, you can do it, baby. Everything going to be all right. God bless you. Another child don't need that. Y'all better talk to me. Everybody don't need the same thing. One thing I learned as a pastor is every member don't need the same thing. So I, I, I tend to work with different people based on. You try to do a blanket application, it ain't going to work. Say Amen. You can tell some kids, don't you cross that street without me. Some of them, you got to hold their hand. Because you know if you let that joker go, <laughs> he is gone. So you have to know, right? God knows us that well. A mindset is simply a, a fixed state of mind. What does it mean for something to be fixed? It doesn't move. I love that. Ma'am? Stays what? It's a fixed rate. And that's why you got it in it. Because you wanted to know what it was going to be. Okay. Uh, every month, right. That's why I got a fixed rate too. I want to know what my mortgage is going to be every month. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine. <laughs> Whether I'm operating in a surplus or deficit. I know that bad boy the same thing. How about that? How about God being able to know where our mind is always? How many of us spend a lot of time with our mind on ourselves? Come on, let's be honest. We... We spent, we spent a lot, not now, we spent a lot of time with our mind on ourselves. We have to make a shift. We were taught to do that. People taught us. That was the system we grew up in. Child, you better look out for number one. You better take care of yourself. You better put a little, something, you know, some of my family members told my wife, that boy cheap now, you better put a little money off to your, for yourself. That's what they told her. You better put some money aside for yourself so you can have something. system. Telling the husband and the wife to be separate in their money. Y'all, oh, let's be real up in here. There's stuff that they couldn't help it because that's the system they came from. Somebody shout, I'm changing systems. I can't think the way the world thinks anymore. So now that I'm changing systems, it's not me first. My mind's fixed on him, how to glorify him. We live for You know, there's a scripture to say Jesus didn't die so we could live for ourselves. It said he didn't die so we could live for ourselves, but for the one who died for us. He didn't die so we could keep being selfish. 
Kingdom. Kingdom is a dominion of God in the life of a believer manifesting itself in the way we live. Everything in Doc, I want you to get it. Manifesting the way we live, not the way we talk. Not in the way we shout. Not in the way we sing and in the way we preach. The way we live. What we do when we're not here. God's dominion needs to be seen in our life. God, you reign and you rule where? Where does he reign and rule? Somewhere else? Does he reign in you? That's the most important place he needs to reign. He needs to be Lord. So he's supposed to reign in our life. He's supposed to have dominion in us. That means we're subject to him. That means he makes the rules. We follow him. That means he gives the directions. We carry him out. Right? Lord, you reign and you have dominion. Where? If he's king, it means what he says goes. It's not up for debate. There's no but God and no. Amen. And 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 in a real king and a king, not a real king. His kingdom is the realest. Forgive me, Father. His kingdom is the, is the realest. But in, in the kingdoms we see on earth, you come against the king. Come on. Yeah. Yes. Amen. There you go. Right. You gotta, you gotta get your own kingdom, ain't that right? Because if a kingdom is divided against itself, it can't stand. And you know that though. They have to learn that, don't they? And you're teaching them. So that's the key. You're teaching them because you're teaching them under a new system. Now, their friends live under a different system. You got to know their friend living, and their friends trying to infect them with that other system. You have to make sure, no, baby, you don't live under that system. Not at whatever your address is. Just think the number in your head. No, not, I'm not here. No, that's not the separation, uh, the, 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 the system you operate under, baby. You don't get to say whatever you want to say. I know, I know, I know in my, in my grandmama's house, you didn't talk back. Knock your teeth totally loose. Dars didn't play that. That was her system. Say amen. amen. Now, here's the thing. We can't live partially under his system and then partially under the world system. We have to choose a system. Choose ye this day. So you have to live under one system because that's polluted. Okay? So hear, hear, me, hear me well now. Hear me well. If God is king of your life, it's got to show. It's got to show. He said, love your enemies. If he's king, it's got to show. Now, when we came to him and got saved, we were so grateful for being saved. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then when we thought about that thing, we're like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Whoa, wait a minute. I don't mean, I don't mean whatever now. I mean... I don't mean whatever, whatever. I mean, if, if I'm cool with it, I, I, no, that's not the way it works. It, it should show in the way we live, right? It's got to show. I told, I told the Bible study this Tuesday, and this is so important. The world has had it up to here with hearing us talk. They're not believing us. They're not believing us when we say we submitted to the king. Lord of Lord, king of kings. No, it's time for us to live a submitted life. That speaks louder. For them to see us submit to him. You had them say stuff to you like, I don't know how you did that. 
Because I would have done. I don't know how you dealt with. Because I would have. You showed them. You don't have to say anything. Just submit to the king. And the thing is, he's feeding us information all the time. I got to get to this. I got to get to this. The dominion of God must be plainly seen and easy to identify in the life of a believer. The kingdom mindset is a submitted mindset. Do we live like God rules or do we just say it? Okay. Now, questions come up like this. Well, how do I do it? How do I stay with it? How do I stay focused? How do I keep from being overwhelmed by life's challenges? These are the thoughts that come to people's mind when you start talking about living a submitted life for God moment by moment for the rest of your life. We, don't, we might not verbalize them, but we thank them. Well, how do I do it, Pastor? Tell me how to actually do it. And, and if I learn how to do it, well, how do I keep doing it? And if I learn how to keep doing it, how do I stay focused on doing it? And if I get focused on doing it, how do I keep myself from becoming overwhelmed by life challenges and forgetting what I learned to do? Because you know the life challenges are meant to make you forget what you learn and operate out of your flesh. That's all that is. That's all that the devil say. If I could get them jokers messed up, throw a couple of things at them for three or four different directions, they'll totally forget what they learn. And they'll just act off flesh. Not us. We do that by accepting the help provided. Are y'all ready for this? We're about to have some fun now. Number one, first help we have is the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. That's what he does. He glorifies Christ. He never does anything that does not bring Christ's glory, ever. You know how people say, you know how people tell somebody often and say, the Spirit told me? I, I say, a Spirit told him. A Spirit, but it wasn't the Spirit. I mean, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a Spirit, all right. Or you half right. No, the Holy Spirit will always glorify Christ. So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is always feeding you information so that you can glorify him. The question is, are we listening? There's a scripture that says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with which you are sealed until the day of Christ. Here's the thing. He's speaking to us. Jesus said he'd teach us. That's what Jesus said. So guess what? Even if we don't know what to do, Jesus said he'll teach you. He says he'll remind you the things that I taught you. That's what Jesus said. So all the scripture that you've been learning all your life, hot dog, he'll remind you of that thing. And you know you hear him. You know you hear him. Don't you do that. Come on now. The word says. The word says. And sometimes we push all that to the side and do what we want to do. Come on. Oh, God, forgive me for the times that I've done that. God, I repent right now in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? Y'all re- so, so the Holy Spirit is always feeding us and giving us what to do, giving us instruction, teaching us, reminding us, comforting us, keeping us, restraining us. But we can break beyond that and do what we want to do because we're free will agents. We're free moral agents. We can do whatever we want to do. But, but we have a helper. Oh, that's what Jesus called him. The paracletos. The, I'll give you a comforter, a helper, another helper, one just like me. So just like Jesus was for the disciples, the Holy Spirit is. So if the disciple didn't know something, they went to Jesus. Talk to me. If they messed up, then Jesus corrected them. You know the Holy Spirit will do the same thing if we let him help. If we let him help, if we quit resisting him. Second, the word of God. We're Bible totals. Scripture quotas. Talk to me, somebody. We know the word of God, but, but do we actually follow what the word says? We got help. Yeah, we got help. We got so much help until God put it in somebody's mind to build an app. God, God inspired some with all the apps in the world. God said, you're going to leave me out. Make a Bible app. Make, make a devotional app. I'm going to anoint you to create an app that will go to their phone every morning and bing, and you just look at it. And there it is right there for you. The word of the day. Ain't that right? Right there in front of you. Oh, and it's free. You didn't have to pay for it. Ain't the Lord all right. The word. But if we let it help us, it'll help us. 
And the last one, I hope you're ready for this, mentorship and accountability. We, we, we need to learn how to be accountable to other people. That's something we don't like. I'm a, I, answer, I answer to God. Okay. Sure enough, go ahead. But God put people here to help us. If we're struggling in an area, there needs to be somebody who knows. Well, Lord. There needs to be someone who knows and somebody who can check on us. How you doing with that? Not so you got, and let me tell you something. You got to know who to let be your mentor now. That's another thing. God show me. Just because they offer don't mean I need to accept. So God show me, is this the person? Is this the person? I mentor people myself. They're accountable to me. If I know they have an issue in their life, I ask them about it. How you doing with that? Well, last week I did so and so. Why'd you go there? Amen. We all need somebody to, to, to help us. That's what Paul did for Timothy. You think, you think Timothy became a pastor and then stepped out on his own? Paul kept writing to him and said, hey, be aware of those wives' tales and them fables now. He had somebody to be what? Accountable to. I know, I know nowadays in the modern era, we don't do that. But we, we got to start doing that again. We have to find somebody who loves us enough to be honest with us. Who won't lie to us and who won't try to protect our feelings. Somebody who with love say, hey, you can't do that that way. This is what my pastor told me. He's the person I'm accountable to. I'm a pastor. I'm accountable to him. He gets to tell me when I do dumb stuff. And I submit to it because I need it. Because sometimes even my thinking. Anybody? And he, he, get, he told me something and it blessed me to my core. He said, son, he calls me son. Not always. Sometimes he calls me Pastor Taylor. But he said, son, he said, I love you and I'll talk to you. But the mother people out there, they don't love you and they'll talk about you. You need somebody who will talk to you, not about you. Somebody who will come and, and try to guard you and protect you from making certain mistakes. Look through the scripture. Elisha had Elijah. The disciples had Jesus. John, John had This is not a new concept. This is biblical. What's the Ruth and... What was, what was the older lady to the younger lady? A mentor. Taught her how to do that thing. Girl, let me tell you something. Get down at his feet. <laughs> I'm going to show you how to do this thing now because I know what I'm doing, girl. Get down. Don't just do this here. Told her when to go and where to get and how to. Next thing you know, she had her a husband, a kinsman redeemer. If it wasn't for mentorship, then the lineage of David wouldn't be here. And then J Jesus came through the lineage of David. Talk to me, somebody. Okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Can't be. Can't be. Can't be. Can't be a friend. Can't be a friend. Can't be. Right. It's, it's, it's important. And it's got to be somebody God appointed. And it's got to be something that we're willing to submit to. But everybody's not willing able to do that. But the people that I've seen be able to submit to mentorship, they excel. In, in every arena. There are people who have business mentors, and they excel in business because somebody helps them. 
Somebody who's been where they are and who's done what they want to do. Amen. I just thought I'd talk about the help. And then following the example Christ set, Jesus showed us how to do a whole bunch of stuff while he was here. Some, some people only learn how to, how, to, how to heal and just how to rebuke devils. And Jesus taught a whole bunch of stuff way beyond that. Jesus taught how to deal with opposition. Jesus taught us how to deal with people who didn't like us. Jesus taught us how to live while you were unpopular. Jesus taught us how to speak and then how to be quiet. Jesus taught us how to be balanced. He taught us a whole bunch of stuff, more than the miracles. If we, if we were read more than the miracles, we'd be so blessed. We get to watch him interact with people. Say amen. Listen to what Jesus said. Let's let, let Jesus teach us. I can't of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. See what Jesus say? I can of my own self do nothing. Is Jesus talking now? Jesus, I can't do anything by myself. Jesus? Walking on water, Jesus? Fishing loaves, Jesus? Calm the sea, Jesus? Raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus? Say he can't do anything by himself? But he says, as I hear, I judge. I make my decisions based on. Come on here, son. That's how Jesus rolled. That's how Jesus rolled. He said, my judgment is just. It's always right. Because I seek not mine own will, come on, but the will of the Father which hath what? Sent me. I only want to do what glorifies him. Look at Jesus live. Look at Jesus live. He's showing us, y'all, the right mindset to have. Let me read it from the, from the uh, Message Bible. You ready? I can't do a solitary thing on my own. I listen, then I decide. You can trust my decision because I'm not out to get my own way, but only to carry out orders. If Jesus can live a life that submitted, should there be an issue for us? Yeah. Right. 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 So, 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 isn't that an even more amazing picture of submission? Because he had the power to do what Seneva he wanted to do when Seneva, but he didn't. We don't have that kind of power. We need God. How can we need God and then want to be disobedient too? Yes, Elder. Right. God is a mentor. Yeah. 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 Yep. Come on. And and so this now if this is true what Jesus is saying and he can't lie. So it's got to be true. Before he healed the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman, he had to get the okay from God. Before he raised the widow of Nain's son from the dead, he had to get the okay from God. Before he fed them with the fish and the loaves, he had to get the okay from God. Before he walked on the water, <laughs> he had to get the okay from, y'all see what I'm talking about? He didn't just do stuff. Everything he did, he did because God told him to. Who said this? Who said, who said this? Come on. I need you to put that up. I want you to tell me who said this. 
Who said that? Yes, Rico. Yeah, you, you had it. Y'all just, Lord, y'all know the answer. Y'all knew, why y'all didn't say anything? Because it, it, no, it wasn't a trick question. Because <laughs> y'all knew the answer and y'all were like, Mm-mm. Pastor not going to get me today. <laughs> For without me, you can do. Jesus said that. And he just got through saying, I can't do anything by myself either. He says, I follow the word of my father. So you guys have to follow me. Y'all need me. That's what he's saying. Y'all need me. He said, without me, you can do how much? What nothing mean? We can't do anything without him. We can't do anything of any kingdom consequence without Jesus. Nothing. We can't even be saved without him. Redemption, it doesn't even enter to, into the picture without Jesus. We're still lost if Jesus doesn't die and if we don't believe on him. Are y'all hearing me? Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. Why did he say it? Why did he say it? Huh? Who said, Val? Because we can't. We can't. Any other reasons you think why Jesus might have said something like that to us? It's true. True that. We can all agree that's true, right? Let me tell you why. Here's why. Number one. We cannot successfully live for God without the Holy Spirit's help. Remember, Jesus is not physically here. Well, you know that. He's not physically here with us. But he says, another's coming in my place. So we can't successfully live for God without the help of the Holy Spirit. Can't do it. Okay? And, oh, yeah. <laughs> To help us avoid this. Hit the button. How'd you know? To help us avoid frustration. To help us avoid frustration. There's so many frustrated Christians. And they're frustrated because they're trying to do something that only God can help them do. We're around here trying to love enemies by our own power. We're trying to get past stuff that hurt us by our own power. It does not work. There are people who hurt us in the past, and we say, if they just apologize, I'll feel better. Some people have gotten those apologies, and nothing changed. It's because only God can heal. Frustration is a result of trying to do something that is beyond our ability. Whenever somebody tells me they're frustrated, it tells me you're trying to do something that's bigger than you. You're not even supposed to do. Like change people. You can't change anybody, but that thing will frustrate you and them. Trying to get somebody to be something that they're not. There are a lot of things that frustrate us. I don't see. We can't even change ourselves. We get frustrated with that. Can't. Can't. We go to all kind of, go to classes, do all kind of stuff, take yoga, all kind of stuff, and, and that don't work nothing. That don't work nothing. Or... That, the top was my definition. The other one is the actual definition. It says the feeling of being upset or annoyed, especially because of, in, of inability to change or achieve something. A lot of Christians are frustrated because they're trying to live for God without God. Really.
right. I have seen people make stuff happen and then ended up not wanting it after they got it. I have. I've seen people make stuff happen for themselves, and then when they got it, they wish they never had it. We got to stop. In psychology, this is Wikipedia here, y'all. Yeah, I dug deep today. In psychology, frustration is a common emotional response to opposition. Related to anger and disappointment, it arises from the perceived resistance to the fulfillment of individual will. The greater the obstruction and the greater the will, the more the frustration is likely to be. You know what I mean? Somebody who hard-headed and can't see they need to quit. So the harder it is to do the thing, the harder they fight. Well, all that does is make them more frustrated. When will they figure out that if I just go on and just let go, I won't be frustrated anymore? Never had one on, but thank you. <laughs> if I ever get one on, I know what to do. Isn't that amazing, though? It's like the, this said that person is so strong-willed, individual will, that they keep trying to do something they can't do. And they get frustrated. Then they try to do it because they can't do it. I ain't going to let it beat me. I've said it myself. Oh, I ain't going to let this beat me. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. And be mad. And be so mad. You ever been so mad you can't think straight? God in heaven saying, Lord, look at that boy. If this boy would just relax and let me have this thing. What, what one thing did Jesus do consistently in his time on earth? Well, you knew the answer. I had a spoil alert. I wanted to use that so bad. I know it wasn't up yet. Pastor Leslie gave the answer. <laughs> and it, I want to say it's not teach, preach, heal, do miracles, show love or compassion. It's pray. So let's look at some scriptures. Let's watch Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. But so much the more that um, there went a great fame abroad of him, and great multitude came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself to the wilderness and prayed. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Seemed like to me, no matter what was happening in Jesus' life, he'd pray about it. He get he pray all night sometime. Start praying all night sometime. He start praying during the day and pray all day. When Jesus found out that they wanted to make him a king, so that it wouldn't get to his ego, he went and prayed. Oh, talk to me, somebody. Cause you hear somebody want to make you king, you might be well, hot dog. All right then, come on with it. Jesus went and prayed. Isn't that something? After Jesus had healed the people of all their diseases and ministered to all the people, you know what Jesus did? He went away and he prayed. After he fed the 5,000, Jesus went off and prayed. And then when the disciples went to storm, he walked on water. And then Gethsemane, when they were about to come and take him to take his life, Jesus went and he, what's Jesus teaching us? intimacy the moments alone with God how are we going to hear from God if we don't spend any time how are we going to know what the king's will is if we don't ever spend time with the king oh certainly we can go to his word certainly the Holy Spirit but wouldn't it be more impactful 
if we just spent time with him. Jesus is God in the flesh. The word became flesh, John 14. Yet every time you turn around, he would leave everybody and everything and go be alone with his father. And if God is anything like my dad, whenever I'm with my dad, I've shared this before. He always wants to tell me something to bless me. He can't help himself. I find myself to be that way with my spiritual sons. Whatever God has in me for them, even my spiritual daughters, if God has something in me, I give it to them. Because we're together and I don't know, something in me just wants to bless them. I just believe that if we spend that time with God, we'll find that he originated that idea. And that my and that he's not like my dad, but my dad's like him. God will speak to us if we just spend time with him. Jesus would leave the presence of God and he would do the most amazing miracles. He'd come back and he'd have the most wonderful things to say to people. All after being consistently in the presence of the Father. So if we want to have a kingdom mindset, we need to begin to know the mind of the king. He keeps inviting us, come boldly. See, kings, you couldn't go unless they, all, unless they invited you. You couldn't just bust up. Them. So he put the open invitation out, come boldly. We want our lives to improve. We want to have a level of peace like we've never had, a joy like we've never had, marriages like we've never had, children like we've never had, a, a career like we've never had. I'm telling you, it takes being with the king so that the king can share his heart with us so that we can be more attuned to the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't spend any time with the king, how will we know my sheep know my voice? How will we know our voice if we don't ever hear him? Did you know that sheep were kept in a common pen? All the shepherds kept their sheep in one pen. And they say that a shepherd would stand at the gate, open it, and call for his sheep. And only his sheep would come. The other sheep wouldn't come because they knew, that's not my shepherd. How'd they know that? How'd they know their shepherd's voice? How'd they know? From hearing it regularly. Being in the presence of their shepherd. We can't do this without God, y'all. That's the moral of our story tonight. We're not going to get past the stuff that's been holding us without God. We're not going to be able to have the life he promised without God. We can't get directions and then run. We need him the whole way. That's why, see, if Jesus only needed one word from God, he wouldn't have ever had to talk to God. If he just needed one word on his journey for three and a half years, he could have got a word from heaven and just lived it out. But it don't work that way. He constantly needed something from his father. If just time, Charlotte, if just to be with him, down here on earth with the rest of these earthlings, <laughs> you need some time with your daddy. Because nobody understands you like him. Nobody knows your purpose like him. Nobody knows your worth like him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. Amen. 
Yes, sir, it is. So here's what I want to encourage everyone in here to do. We are living at the next level. Next level living is living for the king. We're not religious people. We're kingdom citizens. This church, what we do at church, this is not just a church thing. This is not just something we do. We don't come here just to get a word just to, so we can feel better, so we can make it through another week. We come here to learn how to live. Apostle Taylor came here and taught a lesson called the Constitution. He said the Bible is our Constitution. God is so strategic that God says, I'm not going to put you here and not give you something to work with. So he gave us a Constitution filled with laws, principles, and precepts. Directions, instructions, and corrections. And he said, live by this. Live by this. You'll bless you, you, you. Listen, not only will your life be blessed, but you'll glorify me. He gave it to us, y'all. God's not, one, not like one of them people who tells you, oh, you know what to do to make me happy. And they didn't tell you a thing. Or they get mad at you and say, you know why I'm mad. Ladies, don't tell your husband that. He doesn't know. Nine times out of ten, he ain't got a clue. I'm just speaking for husbands everywhere. We don't know. Tell us. And we'll correct it because we love y'all. We love y'all. We'll get it right. But God's up front with us, and he just says, listen. I love it. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word tonight. I thank you, God, that we didn't just hear it. But these are words for life for us. We love you so very, very much. More than we love anyone or anything else in the world. We thank you for saving us. And delivering us from the world system. Delivering us from sin and death. And bringing us to life. Life in Jesus. It's the only real life there is. Everything else is breaking down, dissolving, being destroyed right in our sight. We see the world collapsing. But no matter what happens to the world, your word will always stand. We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. You take care of us every day. You do more for us than we deserve. And all you ask is that we live for you. That's all you ask. You say it's our reasonable service that we give ourselves to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So, God, we, we're going to stop resisting. And we're going to receive the help. The help of the Holy Spirit who teaches us, reminds us, corrects us comforts us the help of the word of God and the help of other believers that you placed in our lives to help us along the way we want to live moment by moment for the rest of our lives in a way that will bring you glory in Jesus name amen if that's your prayer